Hi there, it's Jay Comfrey here. Welcome to this week's Premier League Tonight podcast. Of course, this week is an FA Cup special. We're here at the John Smith Stadium as Huddersfield host Manchester United in the fifth round of the oldest club competition in the game. And joining me this week, Robbie Savage, Steve McManaman and Paul Scholes to talk about all the big talking points of this weekend's football as well as some of the usual anecdotal details we go on along the way. And of course, the FA Cup never disappoints when it comes to drama. So here are the best bits of the show. Oh, and don't forget, the FA Cup is live on BT Sport throughout the season, and you can catch up with all the best moments of the Cup on the BT Sport app, as well as our dedicated social media platforms. We can talk VAR more, or we can talk about football. Uh, let's talk about football. I was hoping you would say that. Right, let's have a look back at the headlines from today. It's been another busy one. Baggies, Cup, hangover. I'm sure you can see what we've done there. More bad news for Alan Pardew. More bad news for West Brom. Out of the FA Cup. Defeated today by Southampton. Take a look at me now. Like it. Look at here. Getting on the score sheet. Brighton also winning today. Unlucky Coventry. Their cup runners over. But Brighton march on into the quarterfinals. And the Swans stalemate. He was let go by Sheffield Wednesday. He went back there today with his new club. But he couldn't quite get the result. It's a yet another replay for Swansea. Right. We've spoken enough about what happened away from the football. So let's focus on the football. Here is Jose Mourinho with Dez. Jesse, where do you want to start? Should we start with Romelu Lukaku, who scored two important goals for you today and he's already cracked 21 goals in February? Important goals. Difficult match. We need to score. I think especially the first goal in the beginning gave us a little, a little space for a, an hypothetical uh, mistake. We know that we want to win this match, but um, a draw wouldn't be, wouldn't be a drama and take the, the game to, to Old Trafford. So the first goal obviously important to put us in a good position and then the second goal almost to kill to kill the game. To twice attacking the space well, then cold in in the face of the goal. Really good. Did you think you'd killed the game before half time? Because we had a, a confusing incident. I think we'll all agree on that one. What was your view on the VAR? I keep saying that um, should be a, a referee's decision and not our decision. Why? Because the referees, they want to perform well. I don't think they are happy to make mistakes. And if they have the VAR to help them to make the right decision, I think that probably the referees would be happy with that. But if the VAR <laughs> change their good decisions for bad decisions, I think they are not happy with, uh, with that. Um, during the game, of course, I don't know. Of course, I I trust and I believe in the V in the VAR. It's a bit frustrating because uh, the moment I saw uh, Kevin touching his heel and it stayed there for a long time, I thought something is going to happen. But uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, it was a beautiful action. It was a beautiful goal. Then. If it is um, offside or not offside, by the kneecap, by one hair, I don't know. Should it just be used in a clear and obvious situation? Because uh, when you're down to measuring the, a kneecap you as know, an offside, uh, after after the, our, our our Premier League, the the Championship that I I follow more obviously is the Portuguese one, and we have the the VAR in every match in in our. In our Premier League, and and I saw amazing amazing things that put the true in the game, in the result, and that is 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 an amazing feeling. But I also saw some controversial 
decisions that um, bring the VAR into a adultful situation. I think our game is uh, is so beautiful that to change, we have to change for better. So you think there's still a fair way to go, a long way to go to get VAR right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy if the decision is a little bit like the technology online, on the goal line. You know, I'm, I'm really happy with that. I'm really, really happy with that. Uh, I don't want to score a goal if the ball was not inside. I don't want to concede a goal if the ball didn't cross totally the line. So I'm happy with that true that comes from the goal line technology. If they find a way in the VAR that the VAR is always right and always bring the truth, I'm happy with that. That's what we all... <laughs> That's the problem, isn't it? VAR that's always right yeah. and is always true. Um, and normally the issue with VAR are those incidents we are going to talk about. Normally those incidents um, which are subjective. The issue today is having all this ferrari about an offside which shouldn't be subjective, should it? No, no, we should have just been able to get to the answer straight away, shouldn't we? Yeah. Um, the fact that the lines were like this was, was just comical, wasn't it? And I had to talk about it thinking that it's going to happen. Yeah. And the fact that there was so much... Um, waiting around and of course as soon as the lines goes out everybody's you can imagine what the people are like watching it on the telly it just it just became an absolute shambles wasn't it and to, you know, to just talk to over it was confirm, just you know, really confused. we only get those pictures yeah, of course, we, yeah. we choose what yeah, we're giving not, it took yeah, one, one minute 40 seconds to make the decision on the field it took a further eight minutes eight plus minutes, yeah. for us to be sent from the VAR team a decision with a, with a straight line that is that is the problem, and, yeah. and Jose is quite right. Yes. Um, let's talk then about the football. It's one of those strange days where Romelu Lukaku bags a couple of goals. He's gone over 20 for the season, and a few people are talking about it. What did you think of his personal performance today? Yeah, I thought it was, it was very good, and there's probably a difference between the two teams. Really. He didn't have a lot of the game, I don't think. He wasn't involved a lot, because Huddersfield were very good in possession. They were, they were excellent, but his two chances he had, he was deadly. Just very clinical scores, he wasn't. He? Yeah. Very, very clinical. I think that's all you can say. I thought Huddersfield were excellent, but this is really good part of his game. Holds up play, spin, turn, and then this is just about strength, isn't it? And the goalkeeper? Well, or is that, or was that just Romelu being clever? Yeah, I think so. I'd like Crazy to think it was. Yeah. yeah, it's good play Obviously for him. He the pitch up like that. He can go left and he can go right. We need to see more of that from him. because yeah. the, the power and the speed of him, he needs to run in behind a lot more. And today he was, he was very good. The last few weeks, if you haven't really seen it, Maybe he lost a little bit of confidence, but here again, he, I think he starts out in his own half and look at him, he's off. And, mm. and just defenders, especially defenders of this level, they, they can't live with that. Yeah. But then he's got to find the, the clinical bit. And he's That's that what well. you want to see from Manchester United as well, isn't it? Yeah, they had to play that way today. They had, they had to play on the counter-attack because Huddersfield was so good in possession. As good as I've seen mm. an Huddersfield team, yeah. to be honest with you. And the, the only scraps were playing on the counter-attack. And you had to say, every time United went forward, they did look very dangerous. Well, let's talk then about Manchester United's approach overall. For the first sort of 40 minutes, it, it was confusing to kind of see the plan from Jose Mourinho. And you two had a, a really no. good chat in here about what he was trying to do. They've won the game first and foremost, and you know, as, as Lukaku's two goals was brilliant. But they're not four-three-three shape, so they had really three holding midfielders: McTominay, Carrick was in the centre, and Matic on the left. And they had Sanchez on the left up front, Lukaku and Mata. So the problem was down, and I'm sure you th I thought Mac said in commentary was down this right-hand side: Haraganaj and um, the centre four pulling out wide. So what happened was that for me as a midfield player, the left of the three, I'd be the one looking to get across. The argument to say has Sanchez got to track the fullback? That is the big question. Has, has Sanchez been brought to track runners in the, in the left back position for most of the first half? I'm not so sure he has. I think as a midfield player there, Matic 
the question would be, has Matic got the legs to keep getting out there? So if you're the left side of a three in there, I think you've got to help out there and let Sanchez be the free spin up there. But he's worked hard for the team, Sanchez. He kept coming back. So he's probably out of his position would have been in a left midfield position, Sanchez. Well, I, don't think back, Sam? I, don't, I don't remember, I don't yeah. remember seeing him come back. He come back a few times, scores. He, but as okay, as a midfielder there. I would think you, that you just I just think he turns it. When you're under the cost like they were today and Huddersfield where had more possession early on. You just become, as far as I'm concerned, you just become a five across midfield. Sanchez is back alongside the three, and Matt is back, and that and Lukaku's there. And I'm, I, I thought they pinpointed that, and you could see he didn't fancy Chakam back. Yeah. United got the results. They were three for two. They were three for two. So it was it was yeah. three for two. Might my, my, uh, outnumber Huddersfield, right? So they had um, Ince as a as a free spirit. So if you're the left midfielder and you've got three for two, surely you've got to get across. Well, that's up to the manager. Yeah. We don't know what the manager said, do we? Yeah, we no. don't have said Sanchez, just leave him. You just stay. You just half cheat. Mm. And Matic, you, you be the one to get across. But I don't think Matic was the right person for that job. He, no. could, he hasn't really got the legs anymore to do that. If you saw in the second half, he was almost playing as a left-back. Yeah. He almost played with two left-backs because he recognised the problem and Sanchez almost played and as I a centre-forward. I don't think forward. you should do that all the time. I just think when you're under pressure for five, for ten minutes, because they had the ball all the time, and we're coming down this flank all the time. You just say, right, we're going to go to a five, stop them playing, and then once you get a little bit of a foothold, then you become a let three me, again. Yeah, let then me, we go yeah. three and three. Let me, let me put this to you then. So if this was Man City, so I've seen Rashford playing for Manchester United. He's in the left back or right back position more than he's forward. It's Martial. I think in this side under Mourinho, they're that bothered about going backwards, whereas Man City, those players are forwards. So you've got Fernandinho, you've got players in there, Kevin De Bruyne. Because they're in possession all the time, Sam. So well, today, United couldn't get in Manchester position. Manchester United against Yeah, but today they couldn't get in position. Yeah, we have to say we have to give Huddersfield credit because mm. they didn't allow United, who played probably three old midfield players in a space of a little 10-yard area, McTominay, Carrick and, and Matic, they just couldn't get on the ball, they just couldn't control yeah, I wouldn't play. necessarily have a go at United today. I mean, no, no, I know, because you have to give the respect to the other team, who, you know, they had a really good game today, didn't they, Huddersfield? If, they played if really well. Yeah, if, I'm just going to say, if you're in control of the play, if your midfield players are in control of the play, Sanchez can go to the left. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Would it bother you playing in a team with Sanchez playing like that? Would it bother me? Yeah. Again, it depends what the manager wants. It depends how much possession you've got of the ball. If you've got the ball more times than and they did when he played, you can play with wingers and nice and wide and open the pitch up. Yeah. But once you're uh, under pressure from the other team, there's times when you have to go, right, everybody get in yeah. and let's just see this 10-15 this minute period out and then we'll beat them. When they get tired, then we'll take over. And they did United. They weren't at the best, but they were just really clinical. I'll tell you one, if I was a left-hand side midfield like Matic, I wouldn't like it. No, no. No, you'd be, you'd be on to Sanchez all the time to get back with and them. Luke Shaw. And Luke Shaw, Luke, especially. But Luke they're, not, Shaw they're not very vocal, they're very quiet players, yeah. aren't they? They're the ones that need to get back because all the problems they were caused with the right-hand side, OK, they've won the game 2-0 yeah. and it was quite comfortable in the end. But the problems the first 20 minutes with the right-hand side with nobody going back with them. But the fact that they raided so many times, that's, what, that's why Chris Smalling yeah. was so important today. And, well, he had a great game. Yeah, yeah, well. and in all of this, we're talking about Huddersfield playing so well. Let's yeah, very briefly just show you Huddersfield's really forthcoming fixtures because actually, Robbie, the next few games will determine their future in the Premier League. Look at that. West Brom, Swansea, Palace, Newcastle. That's it for them. Yeah, those are the games. The, the Spurs game, they'll, listen, I don't think they'll get anything there, but the West Brom, Swansea, Palace, Newcastle. If they can win those games or get okay. points out yeah. of those, great chance of staying up.
uh, tweets coming in already on the draw. Probably the best one is Joe, who says, highlight of today's FA Cup, Michael Owen struggling to open a bag. Man United and Man City, if they get through against Wigan, will be very happy, won't they? Yeah, of course we are. I think we should just fast forward to the semi-finals. Are you that confident? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Get the four big ones. Well, I think the only one is Leicester Chelsea. I think Leicester yeah. have a chance of beating Chelsea, but you'd expect the other teams, Tottenham, Man United and Man City to go through. What's your dream? Chelsea in the semi, City in the final and oh, win it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leicester though, yeah, they they as we heard there from Michael, they can go for this, they can really give Chelsea a game. This is their competition now, nothing else. Yeah, I think Michael's right, you know, safe in the Premier League, not gonna get relegated, no chance of Europe. So what a chance for Claude mm. Puel, who got to a cup final with Southampton, albeit being the you know the, the, the League Cup final, but I they'll fancy their chances mm. home to Chelsea. No, home, no question. And so much is made, isn't it, of Pochettino not winning a trophy at Tottenham. This is opening up for them so nicely. They beat Newport to make it through to this round. With all due respect to their opponents, they're going to be yeah, up yeah. against Rochdale and then either Sheffield Wednesday or Swansea to be in an FA Cup semi-final. You can't ask for much more than that if you're Tottenham, can you? Uh, no, but actually it doesn't matter to you because once you get to the semi-final, you're going to hit one of the big boys. That's what it looks like. And if if they lose in the semi-final or even lose in the final, we'll still be talking about Pochettino needs to win a trophy. And sooner rather than later, you're going to have to get there. You're going to have to show you know, your means and the, the, the big players who have stood up this year. Let's, let's, let's say that. You know, the fact that the Harry Canes and, and, and of this ilk have been exceptional this year, but sooner rather than later, whether it's the Champions League, it's not going to be the league, is it? So it's going to be the FA Cup as well. So they're in a great opportunity now. Let's just recap the draw for you very briefly. Um, Sheffield Wednesday or Swansea will play Rochdale or Tottenham. <coughs> it's Manchester United Brighton, which is a repeat of the 1983 FA Cup final. Leicester, Chelsea, and Wigan or Man City against Southampton. So. Shakara, United and City get home draws. They'll be pleased with that. But let's speak to a man who will be in action this weekend with his team. Keith Hill, the Rochdale manager, joins us right now. Well, Keith, look, we've just had the draw for the quarterfinal, but I imagine you and none of your players will be looking beyond the Tottenham game, right? Uh, correct. How are you feeling about it? Well, the, uh, the fix is just super, to be honest. We've had a good week of planning. Uh, we was on the fix today, point. did a run through. Team shape, so we're looking forward to it now. When you say the pitch, let's let's talk about the pitch. I sort of have always had the impression that when a big team goes to a lower league side, the pitch can be a bit of a leveller. I know it's as difficult for your players to play on a bad pitch as it is for Tottenham, but have you not given them a slight advantage if you've if you've turned your ground into a carpet? To be honest, the pitch needed replacing. It was never going to be uh, sustainable till the end of the season, so it was going to get ripped up and replaced regardless of whether we beat no wall or not. So uh, it's just going to serve the purpose to at least the end of the season. We've got a really good pitch laid down now. And that should see us, uh, you know, in good stead for the future as well. Keith, Robbie, uh, you know, I know a lot of people who watch you quite regular. And, you know, I thought the reports are saying, you know, the pitch, you know, would... would suit you better but I think that was really unfair I heard your um, CEO on the radio giving a yeah. passionate explanation of why you know you like to play good football as well so I thought it was quite poor saying well you know some Spurs players could get injured because some of your players could get injured too you like to play good football as well yeah we certainly do we want to play good football we want, we want to be a possession based fundamentally but the pitch and uh, the media sort of like negativity towards the pitch the pitch against no one was playable there was no injury concern for anybody. You know, the referee passed it, fit to play. Uh, and we deserved to win that, but uh, the chaos afterwards around the pitch, it was, it was unfounded, but we've done the right thing with the football club because it's the same as the next season. 
Keith, Stevie McManaman here. Have you got any special plans for the Tottenham players, particularly Harry Kane, if he plays? Uh, not in particular. We don't want to uh, scare the players too much. We've just gone through our due diligence to what we're doing. It's a, a League One opposition. You know, and uh, we've just got about our usual work. We want to try and, uh, you know, employ similar side tactics that we've used against the League One side. And uh, again, we, we don't want to surrender too much possession to the opposing opposition team. Obviously, Tottenham are very good in possession. So, uh, we want to make the most of possession, obviously, by attacking, but uh, special plans? No, not really. All right. Well, look, Keith, all of us wish you the very best of luck. Best of luck. Um, you know, we hope that it's um, a game to remember and we'll see what happens. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good man. Good man. Thank you very much. Uh, look, it's, it's going to be a really difficult challenge for them, but we recently saw Newport do exactly that, took Tottenham to their place and, and got a draw out of it. Yeah, and I think they'll take that uh, before the game. Tottenham are a, a really good side. It's not just Kane. As, as Steve said, there's many good players in that Tottenham team who are in terrific form at the time. Rochdale will have the work cut out. Mm. But as Robbie said, they like to play football as well. They're a decent footballing team. They have to just hope that Tottenham don't quite fancy it on the day and, and Rochdale have a good day. Have you seen much of Dale this season? Obviously, they're local rivals for your Oldham side. I think they play you in a... In the not too distant future. Yeah, the, the close rivals, but no, I've not seen a lot of them. I know they're struggling at the bottom of the league. They have got a lot of games in hand, though. Obviously, with the pitch, they've had a lot of games off. Um, it's a very big rival, actually, Oldham Rochdale. Yeah. I don't know if you know about that. Um, I think it's coming up in a couple of weeks. That's a big game because both sides are, are struggling at, at the bottom of League One, and hopefully, Oldham will win. He'll have a plan, though, won't he, Keith Hill? He will have a plan. Well, he should too, wouldn't he? He's the manager. I think the plan is just to score first. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I think All that's right. his ideal plan. Yeah. But he will be working on special <laughs> things in training, special set pieces, um, where he feels Tottenham are weak, hoping probably that Tottenham will rest some of their star players. And as Scholes, he said, just take their eye off the ball slightly because mm. they may be thinking about more important games. And he's hoping that his team will perform to the absolute limit. It's a bit of a mismatch, of course it is, but we've had those mismatches in the FA Cup and we sort of want um, one of those mismatches again, don't we? Because it seems to be getting too predictable now that the big teams are way, way better. The gap is, seems to be lengthening and lengthening and lengthening. So it'd be great if we're all brought, brought down to our knees a little bit and a little bit of FA Cup Rome, Rome, Rome man <laughs> again. <laughs> I know, sorry. You're right there. It's easy to say that. <laughs> let's move on and talk about I think so let's move on yeah uh, <laughs> let's talk about West Brom uh, they weren't in the draw knocked out today knocked out by Southampton let's hear from some West Brom fans they are not happy with what's going on at the moment haven't <coughs> West Brom's season is lurching from one disaster to another this warm weather training camp wasn't exactly popular with Albion fans after the loss at Chelsea at the weekend and it definitely won't be now. As a fan, um, I've always been a huge advocate of you know, respecting the players are, you know, they're young guys, they've got a life themselves. But uh, given the position the club are in, you know, really cut adrift at the bottom of the table, uh, it just adds another kind of ridiculous chapter to what's kind of spiralling into a disastrous season for the Albion. So, yeah, really, really not that impressed. I follow this club home and away and we're in a really bad position at the moment. And it just seems like this just gives the impression that the players couldn't care less. OK, well, let's have a look at a couple of the newspaper headlines here. You can see here in the Times, West Brom shamed by taxi theft. The Mirror have gone with taxi for this lot. That, that seems to be the theme, as you would expect. It seems like they stole a taxi. Um, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're in a relegation battle. They've gone away for some warm weather training. The West Brom fans have been through the ringer all season. Why do this? It is ridiculous, huh? 
Yeah, well, it's ridiculous because I know this sounds stupid. We've, we've all been on trips, right? We've all been on trips where, you know, warm weather training, where you, the manager says, listen, if you're in a relegation battle, if you're out of the FA Cup, yeah. go there for team spirit. And, you know, 99% of the trips are good because you're born, you have a good time. But as soon as something like this happens, you know, it's, it's unacceptable. You know, I've been on trips where... You know, things have happened. We've come home before a cup final. Mm. We, you know, it's been, like what? Um, there was the fire extinguisher once. Um, do you remember? Thank Colin. Yeah, in yeah. Lamanga, where you know the lads had a few drinks, um, it, and it, we were out of order. We all got sent home, and it was wrong because it was completely wrong. But, but the experience, the, the, the worry would be the experienced guys doing it. But we've all been on trips where things have happened. But the, the, the unlucky thing for those guys is... is not unlucky, though, is it? No, it's not unlucky for them. They've been caught. They've been caught. They've done a yeah. stupid thing and they, they will be punished. But I'm not going to sit here and... Uh, it's wrong. It's yeah. completely and utterly wrong. Let me say that. They've, but it just makes you wonder what's going on as a football club where players think that that is an OK thing to do. Doesn't it? I think the thing is the situation they're in as well makes it a little bit worse. Bot bottom of the league, you know, really, really struggling performance-wise, and the manager will be really disappointed. It's the most experienced experienced players as well that have done it. Well, they'll be embarrassed about it, but is it? Is it I would say is it really that bad? We've all been out at five in the morning, desperate to get home, haven't we? <laughs> If I, <laughs> in all seriousness, I don't know how <laughs> That's the main thing. We can laugh about it. But if, if I was on a BT Sport trip and nicked a taxi while covering a Europa League game, I'd expect to lose my job. Yeah, well, these, these can't lose a the job. They're worth money. They're worth yeah, money. Exactly, 25 yeah. million. Uh, that's, I mean... You're, 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 you're worth yeah, a few yeah. quid, Jay. What are you saying? It's, un, it's, <laughs> it's unforgivable, unfortunately, but you can't just say, let's just sack them. I'm not them. saying you should sack them. No, I know, but you just said lose your job. So if, They can't lose the job because they're suddenly worth £20 yeah. million pounds to somebody else. But I, I understand the scenario you're saying. It's, listen, it's unforgivable. The, the situation they are, the fact that I don't know who lost their jobs midweek, the managing director, the, the chief exec, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. But there's an undercurrent there that is not good, is it? And it's just transpired now that they've got warm weather training from between Monday and Saturday, yeah. is it that warm? Is which it is that warm in Barcelona this time of year? Well, they had a game on Monday, didn't they? They've had a game on Saturday and they've gone to a different country to play uh, and to train. Yeah, the the time is a bit strange, really, isn't it? You know, yeah. they go away when you've got a weekend off. Yeah. But, we're, you know, it's unforgivable what they've done. Jake, let me say it's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. But we've all been on trips and... The reason it's wrong, if they'd have gone there and just trained and come back and nothing happened, all's fine. But they've gone, they've done something wrong and they're going to be punished. You see, I haven't done what you've done and travelled away with a load of lads and had a good time as footballers. But I look at it and I think that there's either... They haven't got the discipline from the manager or there's a bit of a lack of respect for playing for West Brom or a bit of disrespect to the fans and the club that you represent. I mean, look, let's go back to the famous dentist chair that you were involved in. Does that, is that because of a lack of discipline or is that just because young guys will go out and have a few drinks and do daft things? Is it just no more than that? Well, speaking personally uh, about that, because we mentioned it, it, um, it was just, we were just having a couple of drinks, yeah, albeit in a chair. I mean, there was nothing untowards going on. There was nothing, we didn't do anything wrong. We were allowed to go out and have a few drinks. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that sometimes the pictures portrayed, and the sto a lot of the stories that came out were, were completely non nonsensical as well. Right. But um, at the time when I, I had the, when I was in the dentist chair having a, a drink, um, I was sober as a judge at the time. But sometimes the pictures 
betray the real story. And I think that was, I was embarrassed about the pictures that came out. But I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't brought in the law. We were allowed to have a couple of drinks. I think it was somebody's birthday at the time. And um, the pictures looked awful. So as far as I was concerned, at that particular time, I didn't do anything wrong. You get castigated for various things. Are you telling me you weren't drunk that night? Absolutely not. Really? See how much it takes for me to get drunk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, been, I've, been, I've been on loads of trips away from, away from home with, with, with teams when you've broke curfews, but you get away with it because you're not being caught. That's, I think, uh, yeah. That's why you got away with it. That's why you got away with it. But do you mean, in terms of, you know, the manager might say again at 12 o'clock, lads will be climbing through windows at 4 I mean, I don't, know the, I don't know what this full story is. What, they stole a taxi or something. Is that mm, what Apparently. They, the story is, that's been reported, is they took a taxi, took it back to the hotel room and went, and went up to the They bed. drove it themselves. And left the taxi. And, there, yeah. and when lads are away on a drink, they're always pushed to barriers, won't they? Yeah. But when you always see if you get an extra when, hour. When you were playing in teams, though, that were winning Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues, did this sort of stuff go on? Or do you think that you were so disciplined and you were such a bunch of winners that it was maybe different? No, no we still had nights no. out. We still went on trips. We you know, had nights out. Night out did, though, is didn't it? break curfews. Um, we didn't you know, do anything untoward, I suppose, that was you know, something as... Mm. As crazy as this is, that we, no, we, we know we, we know's wrong. Um, no, we had we had drinks, of course. We had good time at, uh, at times, but when when the right time was available to, for for us to do it. Uh, let's get the thoughts of a few West Brom fans. Uh, Jimmy says Pardew isn't the only one who's been let down. It's the West Brom fans who pay their money, turn up week in week out to watch their team. They're bottom of the league. The players are overpaid, and on a club trip to Barcelona, and this is how they repay the loyal fans. I mean, that is the yeah, that's yeah, the general consensus yeah, that really yeah. sort of sticks with the I, I, I get that completely, it? absolutely. Um, under Pulis, we part the bus, and under Pardew, we steal a taxi. That's an improvement in my book. Says all things Albion. Uh, West Brom have stolen as many taxis under Alan Pardew as they've won Premier League games. <laughs> also factually correct, Daniel. Uh, Stephen Jackson, the club should throw the book at them. They don't care about the club, the fans or anyone who get in their way on a night out. The club are in decline, the players have down tools. Uh, Neil says West Brom should put a 75% reduction in wages in their contract with our relegation, see how much they care then. And Jonathan Sykes said you should sack the four of them and the FA should ensure a three-year ban is in place. So they've lost today, they're out of the FA Cup. I'm not saying the stealing of the taxi is it, it can be in any way seen as a good thing, but going on a yeah. going on a foreign trip and galvanising the guys, can you sort of understand Alan Pardew's thinking behind doing that? Like these trips yeah, work? Do they? Do they work? I, yeah, I get, I get, I get that. Yeah, I can. So that bonds and session. Yeah. He's, he's he's trying probably everything yeah. to get the best out of his team. He's probably saying, let's go away, let's have a couple of meals together, let's have a few beers together, yeah. let's do something to. Mm garnish the camaraderie so when we go back we'll win and then we'll climb the league of course I, I you know can see what he's doing I wouldn't dare have a go at him for that because every team would do exactly the same in a, in a position whether it's go out in your local village or go out in a different country yeah. or go out something they'll try anything to get it going and what does this do for Alan Pardew as you said there's been changes at the top the chief executive and chairman have just been relieved of their positions if you are running that football club it leads to questions doesn't it about the manager's control of the players and that's not good for Alan well you know we said before didn't we that you know on a radio show I do you know a lot of West Brom fans phone in saying that you know Pulis has to go because a we're not getting the results and it's dull and boring to watch but I still believe even with Tony Pulis in charge he might have kept we probably would have kept them up you know they're the bottom three now bottom of the table but he's never he's never been relegated no, as you see you'd always trust them so the, the, the consensus was the fans some of the fans I spoke to didn't care if they went down they just wanted to sit in their seat and be entertained so that's, that's their prerogative. They pay their money to go and watch West Brom. But the bottom of the table now, I haven't seen that much of an improvement in their, in their style of football. But 
and he got the job, by the way. He only won six games in the calendar year Crystal Palace. So mm. now he's in charge of West Brom. Good luck to him. Good luck to him. If he keeps it up, wonderful. It was a great victory at Liverpool in the FA Cup. Yeah? Yeah. And, you and that's at, not what they need, is it? No. They need Premier League wins and they've got one of them. Yeah, they're desperate now for... Um, Under well, they, Yeah, they're, uh, they're way behind now. They're lagging, really, in the league. They need to... He needs to get them galvanised. He needs to get over this little episode he've had and, and try and somehow get him to win football matches. Do you make another change of manager? Or do you just say, look, we've already done this once. It hasn't had the desired effect, but now, kind of... With man out of bed, we lie in it. Alan Bardew's the man until the end of the season, regardless. What's next? It's a very, very difficult question. I would stick with him because you brought him in to try and do a job. I'd stick with him. You can't bring any more football players, players in to help. He's brought Daniel Sturridge in. Um, but it's not looking good at this moment. It's not looking good at all. I still fancy them because I still, when I look at the characters in the team, I think, you know what? But sooner or later, they are getting cut adrift, aren't they? Seven they points yeah, behind Huddersfield, who, Huddersfield, who seem galvanised. Good performance today. Yeah. Seven points. Yeah, Swansea are in great form. You know, Crystal Palace, you know they can get a win it's if they really want to. It's incredible the fact that Stoke you know, and West Brom are both down there. When I think they changed the managers when they were out of those positions. Yeah. You know, we always say, oh, this club's got a bounce and isn't it great? Like Harvard Hall's gone to Swansea. Yeah. But on the flip side, you see West Brom and Stoke are struggling now. But then we wrote off Crystal Palace earlier in the season and Crystal yeah. Palace bounced back, didn't they? You know, West, West Brom have got Huddersfield, Huddersfield next. You do kind of feel if Huddersfield win that, they'll be on 30 points. West Brom will be 10 behind mm. and that will pretty, pretty much be curtains for them, won't it? We put this question to the guys last week. Looking at the bottom three at the moment, who, who is, who's favourite to go through for you from your perspective? It's gone down. down. Yeah. Um, I think you'd have to say them three um, that are down there now. I've still got a feeling Stoke might get out of it. I think they've got enough really? enough quality in their team. Swansea have done great over the last few weeks. You, you, you have to say that they've climbed out there very well. Can they still get sucked in? I think they can. They're well out of it. They're not get sucked. They're in. only a point above, aren't they? And Pal- Palace, I'd say they've gone a little, a little bit of a dodgy run. I mean, Palace with injuries as are as well. That won't help. Huddersfield, say if they play like they did today, they'll they'll be okay. But yeah. can they repeat their performances in, in league games? Yeah, that's you, the thing, isn't You it? worry a bit, though, Steve, don't you? For Crystal Palace, who've already been on a really good run under Roy and maybe sort of felt, oh, maybe we're going to save ourselves, but have been sucked back in and now got injuries. Swansea, who've been on a brilliant run under Carver Howe, but are still just a point above the relegation zone. Huddersfield, who won last week. You know, you can't go on a run and still be there because you're going you're gonna to have a blip no. as well. But there's teams even above that that can get dragged back. That's the thing. You know, Stoke, if they win, they go out of that picture, which is mad, isn't it? So... You know, you couldn't, you couldn't, I couldn't choose any of them. There's times when certain teams, and a lot of them are pictured there, have been so Jekyll and Hyde this year that mm. you don't know what kind of performance you're going to get next off them. I was disappointed with Huddersfield at home to Liverpool, and I was thrilled with them today. I know it's an FA Cup game. So, you, you know, you're forever changing your mind, saying, well, if they play like that next week, they'll be fine. Mm. Yet you see another performance that they'll just down tools at times. Yeah. You know, we've watched that much football this year that some of the teams... You can't believe they're doing well because I've seen them play complete dross this but year. That's why they're there, though. It's that's the inconsistency, yeah. isn't it? But there's eight or nine or ten of them that can get dragged in if someone wins three games. You know, they're up by Everton. It's just mad. Bournemouth. Bournemouth went on a good run. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're mid-table. So, just a consistent run of game and you'd be out of it. Yeah. But then, you know, Bournemouth go on that great run. They're, I think, 18th at Christmas, moved up to 9th, then come here and get beaten by Huddersfield. It's just, it's that league. And if they lose their next two, they'll be, they'll, be in that, they'll be in that snapshot. They'll be back there again. So, uh, because, every, because it's so tight and everybody has to play each other, there's going to be a hell of a lot of movement for, you know, from now till the end of the season, isn't it? That's why, you know, I, I couldn't tell you who, who would be in the bottom three. You can have a, you could choose, you can have a pick, but there's no way you're going to be right. Because mm. it'll fool us all in the end. It's mad actually down there this year, isn't it? It's so tight. What does he know about that? Well, he's looked <laughs> at the league table. He's looked at the league table. Oh, yeah, but he wouldn't know about that. <laughs> 
Not will he? He's an Oldham fan. He's coming so. to me on that one at the bottom of the table. <laughs> <laughs> OK, right. Um, lots more still to come. We're going to be talking uh, about managers that you would still love to be involved in the game. We'll get the thoughts of these guys. Also, a dream five-a-side team we're going to discuss as well. But first, here's some fans with their reaction to the FA Cup quarter-final draw. So it's Leicester City away. That is a pretty decent draw. I'm happy with that. We've avoided the big boys and this is a winnable fixture. Leicester in the cup is also synonymous for us with victory in the cup because in 1997 we played Leicester at Stamford Bridge and Erland Johnson, the hero, went over for a definite penalty. We knocked Leicester out. We went on to lift our first trophy for 25 years. So Leicester, all being well, we're off to Wembley. United away. That is definitely by far the hardest draw we could have asked for on paper. Um, that's definitely going to be a tough one. Mourinho um, is going in with uh, decent form. He loves a good cup competition as well. Well, 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 Manchester City have got Southampton at home in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Now, I'm looking forward to this game. Number one, it's at home, so I'll definitely be going. But number two, we've already played Southampton, and it was one, arguably one of the games of the year with Raheem Sterling getting a 96-minute winner. I don't think Southampton are strong now that Van Dijk's gone, and us, we're just kicking into gear. Could the quadruple still be on? Third match reports continue to flood in, but I think the only one that really matters today is from Chris Byrne, and it is VAR, you serious? Are you serious, Phil? Do you miss playing? Do <laughs> <laughs> you miss playing? Yeah, You'd rather out there. Genuinely, though, do you? Genuinely? Yeah. Like, it's, like every day you wake up and think, oh, I'd love to be training today. Or was it just on match days when you come and work with us, you look at it and think, yeah, I suppose you don't miss the training so much, do you? It's just match days when you come and you see an atmosphere like this, you see a pitch like that, and you see the players that are playing, you want to play with them. Well, you, did, you... you did retire, didn't you? Did, did you once. come back twice, but you come back, didn't you? You retired yeah. once, they come back against Man City. So when you retired the first time, what did you, you weren't ready? Do you mean you, you weren't ready, or did you come back? I, because... I thought at the time I was ready, because I just, when I was playing games, I just didn't feel legs, I, I felt I'd gone, I wasn't having an effect on games that I'd like to. So I, went, I saw the manager quite, you know, quite early before the end of the season. I said, look, I, I'm, I'm going to finish. He said, no, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. Another 15, 20 games. I said, no, I've made my decision. 15, 20 games, I didn't really see how I could prepare myself properly for them games. So uh, I, I called it a day. How do you still play back. any, like, I know you play some sort of um, charity matches yeah. and stuff. Do you still really enjoy playing them now? Or? Playing them, yeah, yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. yeah. The hardest thing is getting, trying to get... You don't get fit for him. No. You get semi-fit, yeah. don't you? And, yeah. And try your best and try not to show yourself up. But yeah, I love. Yeah, them. I mean, I've played. I've played still, games, but you, yeah. you always seem to enjoy yourself, don't you? So. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. And do you still what? Do you watch football and feel frustrated? You see players now think, oh, why didn't you do that? Or I could have done that. Or no, not do you really. Have to let because, that go. Yeah, you have to let it go because I, I, I can't affect that anymore. When I was on the pitch, I could do something about. it. I'd try and do something about it. Watching now, it's out of my control. There's nothing I can do about that. I can see things that. I maybe don't like and things I do like, but you know, as far as missing it in that way and, and looking at it as if I can affect a game, I, I can't do that. It's nothing to do with me anymore. So you go and see Sir Alex because you think that you're not impacting games as much as you wish, and between you, you decide, okay, that's it. Then you decide to come back. How does the how did the comeback manifest itself? Um, I'd been. He, he, wanted to, he wanted me originally to come back and coach the reserve team with Warren Joyce, under, well, under 23s, I think they call it now. 
And I said in September I'll come back. So I had a good three or four, min three or four months with the family. Had some, had some nice holidays and came back in the September. Started helping Joyce. She started training with him more, more than yeah. often than that. I was training every day with the likes of Pogba, Ling Lingard. It yeah. was that. Lionel Cote, it was all these type of players who were a really good side and I was loving training. I was getting as fit as anybody know Joyce's training, you know, he's like a sergeant major, he has the fittest team at the football club without a shadow of a doubt. And I was fit, I felt great, it got to December time, um, the team was struggling a little bit, they had a load of injuries, no central midfield players really, I think they ended up playing Phil Jones and Fabio De Silva in centre midfield in a game, I think it was against Blackburn at Old Trafford. And they really struggled. I think, funnily enough, that was the end of Pogba that night because he thought he should have been playing in centre midfield that night instead of them two. Whereas it happens, he was playing the reserve team, wasn't doing well enough in the reserve team to, to warrant that. So I, I, I went to Joyce and I just said, look, I'm thinking of coming back. I, spoke, I think I spoke to Gary Neville, spoke to Phil Neville, to see what they thought about it. I bet their reaction was yes, yeah. There was, yeah. Gaz especially was the one who encouraged me to go and see Mick Field and I went to see his assistant manager, I went to his office. And I, I was nervous about doing it because I thought, you know, really? what, what, what are they going to say? Or, you know, what if, what if he says no? Um, but I'd made my mind if he'd have said no, I'd, I'd have gone on to play for somebody else. It, it, no, I just, I just wanted so to So at that point you were coming back? Yeah, yeah. I, I was coming back, whatever happened, whether it was for another team. Also, I, I didn't want to play for another team, obviously. I obviously wanted to play for United, so the, I went to see Mick and Mick thought it was a great idea. Um, Alex? Did he in any well, that, that was the next stage. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all right, Mick think it was a great idea. Does the manager think it's a great idea? So... Day after, still nervous, knocked on his door and, and said, "Look, I, I'm thinking of coming back um, to play." And he said, "Great, straight away." So let, let me ring David Gill and we'll, we'll sort your contract out. Wow. And then he didn't tell the players. Is that right? You no. were on the. What, why was that? I don't know. I, just, I think he just wanted to keep it quiet. We was playing City away, and he said, uh, um, "Just come to the hotel, Lowry on the. I think it was a Saturday night. I think he was playing them on a Sunday." Um, and he said, just come and sit on the staff table, have a glass of wine or maybe half a glass of wine with us, just don't, don't say a word. Um, and then I get to the ground the next day and I, I know what's going on, so I'm obviously a little bit nervous at that point, wondering what lads are going to think. And we get in the dressing room and my shirt's there and, and uh, I'm named a, named a substitute. So do you think that was a bit of mind games from Sir Alex? Something just to inspire those lads? Because he, did, he, did he tell them in the dressing room when you finally got to the ground or what? Yeah, I think he just announced it in the dressing room. Um, put the team sheet up and there you were on the bench. Yeah, he, he said Scholes is going to be sub, he's, he's back. Um, and the reaction from your teammates? It was good. Well, I was with Danny. laughing. I was with Danny Welbeck was the one next. He said, he said, I knew something was going on. I knew something was going on. So I've been training. I was supposed to play, actually play a reserve game the week before against Newcastle, but he got called off. Um, so I've been training. I think I trained once with the first team before. Before I came back, I had to sort some boots. I had to go down to the local shop and buy a pair of you didn't a pair of cheap boots, yeah, because I didn't have a didn't have a sponsor. Did I? I didn't have a tie. We couldn't let Nike know because it was it'd be obvious I, I, I was coming back. So I, I I didn't know at the time, but the the the, the boots I got were a little bit of a rip off, I think. Um, about 50, so you just went down to your local sports shop and bought some yeah. boots to play your Man United comeback. Yep. And I always remember the, the game itself. I think we were we were three 0 up when I came on. Against ten men, yeah. and it went to three two. I gave the first goal away. And I thought, what am I doing? I remember David Platt was um, he was coach. Uh, I think was it Mancini? I think yeah. he was assistant yeah. manager of Mancini. And I'm warming up and warming up, and 
the manager says, right, come on, 3-0 three, three up half an hour to go. Go and play the last half an hour. So I'm, I'm taking my gear off and, and David Platt said to me, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> no idea. I, 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 wish, I wish he hadn't done it. At that time, I was thinking, what, what am I doing here? Coming onto a game, he playing against a really good City team. Obviously, you think it's quite come to a 3-0 up. Yeah. Half an hour to go, 20 minutes to go. And I, I, gave a, I think I gave a bad pass for a throw-in. Sergio Aguero nipped onto it and scored. Um, so it's 3-1. You think it's still comfortable. It'll still be an easy game. Then they score again. And you're panicking and thinking, what, what, what have I just done? And then from then, that season was great. I did, you know, we almost won the league. City obviously won it with Aguero in, in the last minute, which was disappointing. I really wish I'd stopped then. That, that, that was enough, really, because you know, we got to the next season. The manager gave me another year. Um, but I was... I was I say I was gone the first time. I, I was definitely gone this time. I remember playing against a game against Tottenham at home. It's only the third, fourth game of the season. I think we got we got beat at home three two. I, I played all right in possession, but I remember Den Bailey just cruising past me. Gareth Bale. I know they cruise past people, but I just yeah. think I was watching, thinking I, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, and just just got through the season. I, I wanted to retire again very early that season, but I just thought it looked stupid. It had been a bit embarrassing. I had to try and stay around and and just try and help the team when I could. You know what I find really interesting about that story is for a player so talented and so skilled who found, from the outside looking on, found the game so easy, was the amount of nerves you had, whether it was speaking to Mike Phelan, knocking on to Alex's door, warming up on the side of the pitch, that, you know, Paul Scholes was anxious about coming and playing a game of football or a bit nervous about how it would you go. You haven't played a game for six months and this is, it's not just some League One team, League Two, this is a team that are challenging for the league title at the time were looking like they weren't going to challenge for the, the league title and, and you're seeing legends of the game so so that's fair to go and knock on his door and ask him it's it's scary because he, he could just say no he said no what you think no no what you're thinking about it could have gone totally the opposite way and I was grateful that he said yeah it could have been a mistake it was obviously a gamble for him but I think in the six months like I say six months towards the end I, I did okay it was disappointing City won the league um, that was a big thing at the end of it, but I wish now, looking back, that I'd stopped, stopped then, really. Fascinating. Thanks for sharing the story. And one final question. When you go to bed at night and you shut your eyes and you dream about being a pro again, what is the one thing that you miss now? Is it the emotion when you score a goal? Is it just the camaraderie with the teammates? Is it training? Is it, what is the thing? What is the one thing that gave you the biggest thrill? <sighs> I don't think it's the one thing. Look, I love training every day. It was, uh, it was a thrill trainer. I, I, Camaraderie, it was something I, I take or leave. Really. Obviously, it's great being a part of a, a team and being part of a special team. Winning them trophies is, is the thing that you, you, know, you really miss when it comes to the end of the season, when you talk about March, April time, when, you, when you're fighting for something. That, that, that's what it was all about for me. Scoring goals, uh, these lads will tell there's no better feeling than scoring a goal. You know, whether it's at home, whether it's a away ground in front of these you know, brilliant United fans, whether it's at Old Trafford and... They start to sing your name when you score a goal. There's, I don't think there's any bigger thrill in, in your life than, you'll, than you'll, you'll get than that. Interesting. Really fascinating. One more comeback? Oh, uh, yeah, give me six weeks. Eh? <laughs> give me six weeks. <laughs> six weeks in a pair of boots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll still be brilliant. Uh, Steve is the most modest man in football, if you didn't know already. He always plays down his achievements, his talents, his abilities, so I'll say it for him. Um, an incredibly talented, naturally gifted footballer <laughs> oh, like who went on. abroad and was one of the greatest <coughs> exports to the foreign game. Another match in a Champions League final. And he's still doing things like this. Take a look at the recent Liverpool training because they've got a Legends match coming up. Um, 
<laughs> Ian Rush at the grand old age of 56, doing bits and not a bad finish from our very own Stephen Gerrard. Now, I, I messaged you about this pass to Ian Rush here and you said, I find that sort of stuff really easy. Yeah. Do you? Yes. I had my faults, I couldn't tackle, I, I wasn't great in the air or whatever, things like that. But certain things like outside of my right Look at that! Sticking it on a plate for Ian Rush. What? I found things like that really, really easy really? to do. Yeah, I was very good with the ball, as in I could do lots of tricks. And I always yeah. felt, you know, dribbling, I, I always had very good control. It was one of the things I could do. Um, as I said, many, many faults, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But things like that I've just found really easy. Even now, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14 years since I've retired. Talking of retirement, having heard it from Paul, what, what, what was the moment for you two when you thought, that is it for me? When do you, when do you know as a pro? I knew when I had the phone call from Strictly Come Dancing. Um, <laughs> that was it, was it? Is that, are you joking? Or was that the moment you thought, actually, if I'm going to do that? I'm... Well, I, I had a chance. I was at Derby County. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was playing poor. Um, Nigel Clough was a manager. Um, and he said, you know, you can have another year. You know, be on, on very reduced money. You won't play as often. I was the type of character that had to play every week. I was a sulker if I didn't play. And I thought, you know what, travelling to Derby from, from Manchester every day, yeah. not going to play as much. And then I knew, maybe, I seen it, you know, uh, the media, I thought I've got an opportunity now because I wasn't a great player. I wasn't, you know, by word had away. I achieved the maximum of my ability, you know. But I thought if I go into the media now and work hard at it, I've got a chance because legends like these guys might be retiring after me. So yeah. I thought that was the opportunity for me. Maybe play a year less when I could have carried on because I was fit. I could run all day. No question. I could have played till I was 40. But I just thought there was an opportunity to do another career when legends, better players than me, were still in the game. I, and if I was in there and I'd done well and I could build on it, I'd have a good chance in the media, which I've struggled with, to be fair. It's all right. But I went on Strictly and it was, I was magnificent and the public loved me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not even joking though, that's the best bit. <laughs> How did you do it? I was an eye quarter final. What about you, Maka? I mean, you, had, you had some injuries. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you I think it was injuries. easy for me. I had. I had um, my body was t virtually telling me to stop, to be very honest. I felt I'd lost a yard of pace. Yeah. Times when you'd used to be able to run away from defenders, I couldn't. I was in agony every morning when I got out of bed. It'd take me an hour to, to get my stride and to walk. I probably needed both Achilles operated on, which yeah. means a long-term um, injury process, rehabilitation process. Um, didn't think it was fair for the people who would have paid me money to be out for eight, nine months at my age. So um, I knew, I said, I said to the, the wife early on, well, with a couple of months left to the end of the season, I'm stopping at the end of the season. I wasn't happy. I wasn't playing well and I was slower than I once was and that was my main trait really so I knew in my mind that the body was telling me to stop You know the most significant <coughs> thing is I think for the three of us we knew when it was time it wasn't taken away from us with an injury you know, I can't imagine what the lads who have been injured when it's, the, the career's taken mm. away Someone from like early. Ryan Mason who, you know, yeah. Yeah. 26 years old yeah. and there's no uh, choice Jermaine Genus who, who works for us on yeah. BT retired young so for me because it, I didn't make this into retire that would really have hurt me mm. but because we all made the right the, the decision we knew we can live with that, but I can't imagine when it's been taken away from you. It must be horrific. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I, I enjoyed that chat this evening. That was a good. That was a good hour and fifteen minutes has disappeared. Thank you for your company. Um, before you go, though, let me just let you know about some other bits and pieces from BT Sport. And look at that for a week. Not bad, is it? When you look at it like this: Chelsea against Barcelona Tuesday from seven o'clock. 
And then it's the UEFA Youth League. Uh, Liverpool uh, against Manchester United. 2.45, that's Nicky Buxman United against Steven Gerrard's Liverpool. That is worth a watch on Wednesday afternoon if you're not at work. And then Sevilla against Manchester United Wednesday evening from 7. And then Celtic take a lead to Zenit. And Arsenal are pretty much already through against Ostersunds. 3-0 from the first leg for them. Uh, what a sort of strange day all in all, isn't it? A kind of a good game. Totally dominated by VAR. It was just a weird one. But look, thanks for being with us. Really enjoyed that show as always. And thank you for your comments as well. The last word is yours. Good night. Cracking stuff there. Through to the FA Cup quarter-final. We get to see Okadia score on his debut and Joa scores as well. That was the Swansea of old. Lazy. Um, no desire. We, we don't want that team back. We had chances. Probably unlucky not to win it. Um, now we've got to go there and we've got to get the job done. Simon on one score, probably one of the goals of the cup this year, but still weren't enough for Albion. Both of our goals are very good. We passed it around very well. Tadic had a great game, so did Lamina, and we're through to the quarterfinals. Well, thanks for listening to this special FA Cup edition of our Premier League Tonight podcast. Next week we'll be at Vicarage Road as Watford take on Everton. Make sure you join us then on BT Sport. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating and leave us some incredibly flattering reviews. We always like those. Bye for now.